0: Good morning. The Bromley Buzz is here <laughs> in the Churchill Theatre for the second time in a few days because we reviewed Cluedo the other day. Uh, masterpiece, amongst other things, I think. Yowza uh, was another word that came up with it. Yeah, uh, And we're here with Sir Bob Neill, uh, MP, MP for uh, Bromley and Chislehurst. Bromley O'Neill. and Chislehurst, yeah. yeah. And uh, you've been a, a supporter of the theatre, which we'll come on to. But thank you for joining myself and Sarah Marsh-Collins, part of the... Um, Uh, Bromley Buzz team today well great to be here great to be with you both it's a fantastic initiative Uh, really interesting in what
1: what Bromley Buzz is doing and you're right it's great to be back in the Churchill it really is so important to us all fantastic
0: yeah and, and the opportunity to interview an MP and just to help people understand what MPs do when most of what People see MPs do is shouting at each other in Parliament <laughs> is a, a lovely thing to be able to do. So before we even do that, can we do a bit of uh, Sir Bob Neal the person? Um, what's your background and uh, you know, tell us a bit about yourself? Sure. Well, uh, the bad news is I'm an Essex boy
1: rather than a Kent boy. I, I, I grew up in, in Hornchurch uh, and uh, went to the, the local state grammar school there. Um, you know, my, my, my parents lived in one of those typical between the war semi-detached houses, and my mum ran a shop and dad had worked at Ford's at one time so that was sort of uh, the background um, and then I uh, a lot of people went either into the city or whatever um, uh, or worked at Ford's basically those were the two options in those days but uh, I sort of got interested in history when I was at school did a lot of debating at school one of those schools where um, they encouraged us to do that mm-hmm. I did a fair bit of acting actually um, you know, I think the youngest part I ever played was Higgins in Pygmalion. You know, I used to sort of, was—I was sixteen, coming on sixty. Um, you know, <laughs> when I was a kid. But I—but I enjoyed doing that. Quite a lot of character parts, um, and maybe that's what led me into becoming a barrister. Um, yeah, there's an
2: element of showmanship. About there, there's, it.
1: A of, there's a bit. There's maybe there's <laughs> a bit of that. Yeah, we're frustrated actors. So um, I then actually went to LSE mm-hmm. and read law, um, which was was great. Um, met some good friends there. I still have. Um, and at the same time, two other things happened. I got an interest in, in the theatre and the arts, and of course NSE was sort of just around the corner from the West End. So I could actually go and see shows You know, as a student in the back and, and so on, um, uh, you know, in the gods and, and what have you. Uh, and the other thing I picked up an interest in in the sixth form it was politics. Um, and so really those two things have been sort of parallel. Strange. That's
2: again. That sort of works together, doesn't it? You've got the sort of acting, the, the love of theatre, politics, and and the barrister side of things. It all has a, a, a flair to it, doesn't it?
1: Uh, I think. Well, it seems to come together, and uh, for, for, for good or ill, I think those have been quite important mm. things. You, you, you probably have, as I say, being, being a Hornchurch lad, you've probably got a lobby in West Ham as well.
0: <laughs> yeah, this is a, a bit mm. like being uh, with Alan Sugar uh, and uh, him and his. Um, uh, you've been fired. Uh, I suspect the words, I put it to you, have probably come up a few times in your life so far. <laughs> I, I always cringe when people do that, when interviews do that. Um, and I said to someone, that,
1: that's the worst type of barrisery. Really. You only use that if you haven't got any better question to ask, actually. Um, but, uh, but yeah, you, you do get it from time to time.
0: Now, Tell me a little bit more about your journey to becoming an MP and what it's like. Uh, it's a, an interesting status.
1: Well, it, it, it's sort of one of the things that it progressed. Um, obviously, the first thing I needed to do was, we didn't have any great family money, so I had to go and earn a living, so I to build my practice up as a barrister, and I, and I did uh, criminal work. So it was, um, I suppose, a, a tidied-up version of Rumpole of the Bailey, if you like. Um, <laughs> uh, sort of, uh, not, not quite a lot of uh, serious crime in the end, but obviously you start with, with the small stuff. Um Funny enough, I think one of the first, when I was still living over in Essex, one of the first things I did that made me aware of Chislehurst in particular was when I was instructed in the Brinksmat.
3: Brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. handling
1: case, which of course uh, uh, was all plotted uh, in this area. And of course, a lot
3: of the key players.
0: No, I thought we were just famous for like David Bowie and oh. Emma Radicano and Dean Rasha Smith, <laughs> and now we have this what? other thing to be well, proud. We've of We've got the other side too. We've got the yeah. other side, but uh, but uh, <laughs> a- a- anyway, the uh, the Beaver the
1: Beaverwood Club featured in that case as it hadn't. No, I'm glad to say Chris Johnson does a great job at the Beaverwood Club now. So very different management in the old days, but so that was the sort of work I was doing. Um, but I was also a local councillor over in Havering, and I was lucky. I have some quite senior posts there. on Chairman uh, of the Education Committee and Social Services Committee, and so on. Then I was elected to the old Greater London Council and uh, mm. uh, got abolished by Margaret Thatcher. and It was fairly painless to be you know, abolished by Act of Parliament. But by that stage, I was getting drawn into both those two worlds. Um, and I, I had to go at standing for Parliament in Dagnam um, when I was still living over that side and you know, came second, as you probably would expect as a, as a Conservative <laughs> in Dagnam in those days. Um, but you, know, you get the bug uh, and it eventually you know, I um, became the leader of the Conservatives on uh, the London Assembly um, uh, and in fact I was chairman of the London Conservative Party at the time um, Tony Blair created the Mayor of London and the London Assembly uh, and people said why don't you stand for that um, and I was actually putting my MP ambitions on hold, I didn't think it was going to happen I it was too late by then um, but I became the, the uh, London Assembly member for Bromley and um, Bexley, oh. the whole of the borough And then sadly, leader of the Conservative Group, so that gave me, I suppose, a fair profile. uh, Crossing swords with Ken Livingston um, day in, day out at City Hall. Uh, And uh, then, when sadly Eric Forth, who was the MP for Brumley and Chislehurst, died back in 2006, um, people said, Well, it's it's not too late, Bob. Put your name in. Uh, And so I did. And uh, uh, and the
3: rest is history. Here we are.
0: so what does an MP do? Uh, and this is both in Constituency and Parliament. Well, I think it's one of those questions that is a very simple question and
1: it's not quite as short an answer but I'll do my best. Mm.
3: Um,
1: it's actually is a very multifaceted role because at one point you're a legislator, you know, the key bit of it after all historically is that we're the people who pass the laws, um, who, who debate what the laws should be and actually then, then vote on them obviously. And then there's the second point that we're there to be um, the scrutineers, to be the people who hold government to account. Um, and obviously, I do particularly do that now as chair of the Justice um, Select Committee, which you know, holds to account all the work of the Ministry of Justice, the Prison Service, the Probation Service, the Court Service, all the work of the Attorney General's uh, Office, the Grand Prosecution Service, Serious Fraud Office, and so on. So it's, it's a big field, but mm-hmm. you know, one that I'm very happy with because it's some. Um, my old stamping ground if you like to say
2: well suited to the task
1: it, it's well, it, 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 it. perhaps that was why some of my, my colleagues were happy for me to mm. take it on so there's that side of it then there's the third bit which is the local representative bit, which is actually uh, raising not just questions about policy in Parliament which I do but also questions about local issues so more often than not we'll be raising issues about the train service um, particularly up on the um, on the Schislehurst line it's a bit better on the Bromley line but we've had issues there so things that we'll be raising around that. Thames water is something I've raised in the past. Um, uh, issues around obviously access to health services, um, environment and so forth. So lots of uh, local issues that you take up, either in the chamber or just writing to ministers, uh, getting, putting down written questions to ministers, um, banging on ministers' doors, well not, not, not literally, but when you see them around saying, you know, can we have a word about this? After I've written to your office, I haven't had a reply yet. Um, so there's that of it and then there's the final bit I suppose is trying to be a bit of a community leader, leader locally um, and that's why coming on, on a show like this is important, why supporting local charities is important um, why banging the drum for local businesses uh, is important, so it's a mixture of all of those and quite what percentage you do
0: of which in any given week or day will vary So people in your constituency who need to get hold of you for something um how how do they do it, typically? It's usually nowadays by, by email, and actually I
1: encourage that. If anybody does need to get in touch with me, that's the easiest thing to do. at UK, um, Simply because um, most things are moved online. You can ring up. I, I, I've got uh, my phone number in on the website in the House of Commons uh, and in my constituency office, which is in, in Chislehurst, just off of Chislehurst High Street, um, but very often, if people email, um, we can then get your details. A lot of people don't realise which constituency they live in in Bromley. They mm. think they've got a Bromley address, but actually they're in they're in Beckenham constituency, um, or are some people with Orpington addresses are in mine. So it's just easier then we can double check. Have you come to the right MP? Mm. Um, and then let us give us a quick heads up on what the issues
0: are, and then we can know what, what's the best way to deal with it. So for uh, people to email you, what is the official email address? It's M p. at U k. Okay. Well, politicians are very much in the news, um, pretty much all of the time and very much at the moment, and in a different context, and absolutely nothing to do with you, I heard for the umpteenth time uh, that MPs are only in it for themselves, again, as a generalisation this week, uh, which I personally find offensive, because... Like anyone else, there is good and there is bad. Um, but what would you say to the the claim that MPs are only in it for themselves, Sir Bob? Well, I, I hope people would just have a listen to, to
1: to to people like myself and others when we talk about what we actually do, and just have a look at what we really do, which you don't see much of. Everybody sees, as you say, perhaps sometimes people shouting at each other uh, in Prime Minister's Questions, which is you know that, that, that's we're in we're in the Churchill Theatre. That's the pantomime season. Uh, a bit of politics.
0: Uh, actually, no, no, no. I've got you. Uh, I, I must uh, actually, and it's pantomime as well, right? Look behind you. There's one thing. <laughs> but here's the other one that people do. Would you like to do a parliamentary boo for me with Sarah and I, on the mark of three? <laughs> one, two, three. Boo! Mm. Thank you. very <laughs> <good. laughs> much. Um, and I think that gives, yeah, you know,
1: actually, a pretty bad impression because most of the time we work. Often quite collaboratively together, and quite constructively rather, the debates are much more um, calm, good-tempered, and regardless of people's politics, as you rightly say, there are people um, uh, on all sides who let the show let the side down, um, and that's pretty disgraceful um, because that tiles everybody with the same brush. Um, but overwhelmingly, I found people on all sides of the house are genuine about what they want to do. We might disagree about how we do it, but their objectives are pretty much the same. We want to make the country better. We want to make it more prosperous. We want to improve people's lives in our communities, in our constituencies. The debate's about how you get there, not about the objective. Mm. So the the motives aren't bad, in my judgment, on either side. And, you know, without laboring the point, most MPs probably could have made more money if that was what they were in it for, Um, if they carried on in their previous jobs in the private sector and so on. I, I make no bones about the fact I've, I did take a bit of a pay cut to become a member of Parliament from when I was a barrister. I, I don't, I don't moan about that. I don't ask any sympathy for it, and that's probably true of a lot of, of MPs. It's something that we wanted to do, something that we chose to do, uh, and therefore that's fair, that's fine uh, by me. Um, and also, you know, frankly, we work pretty long hours. I, mean, I, I, I don't think I've ever worked less than sixty-hour weeks since I've been a member of Parliament. Now, I worked long hours when I was a barrister, because you're self-employed. And lots of self-employed people mm. work long hours. So, yeah, don't say it's unusual, um, but if people are really in it for themselves, I think they find easier ways mm. um, to, to make a living um, than being a Member of Parliament. And, frankly, you do get a, fair bit, of, a fair bit of flack sometimes, and you've got to have a thick skin. Sometimes that's justified, sometimes it's not. Um, and it can be a bit harder for your families when it's not. Um, and that's the other bit of sacrifice that people get. MPs' families actually have to put up with a lot, uh, and they see far less of us um, than most people's uh, families do. Uh, and that takes a toll sometimes uh, on people. Um, so if you, I hope that all in around is an answer as to why I think this is, is a genuinely an unfair accusation.
0: Yeah, there actually have been uh, resignations within the government yeah. this week. Uh, and one of the things that's been cited was pressures on the people's families. Yes. Now, whatever the merits of mm. what went on, uh, people persecuting the families of mm. people in Parliament, councillors, whoever it is, I- is a great shame. But on a on a positive note, I'm glad you mentioned the thing about parliamentarians who get together across boundaries, um, because we interviewed Asia Cuthbert, a local yes. councillor yeah. recently, on Bromley's uh, tackling loneliness mm. strategy has yeah, only just you, been launched, and when I was talking to her, uh, it turned out that that had been wholly or partially instigated by the late MP Joe Cox, mm. yeah. uh, a Labour <coughs> MP. Uh, I was just
2: thinking that increasingly, although MPs have always been something of a target, mm. lately that seems to have taken a rather uh, final turn, shall we say, with Joe Cox, and then um, the other and one the who David was really Amos. popular, either yeah, yeah, David yeah, Amos, yeah. yeah. I mean,
1: I mean, that's desperate, sad. I'm mean, glad you mentioned Asia because she's done great work locally with the Loneliness Strategy. And I think that is a good example. There's, there's lots of things where we take up causes and work together. Now, that might be locally. I give an example. Um, uh, Clive Effort, who's the MP for Eltham, and I um, share Mottingham. The boundary between our two constituencies go right, goes right down the middle of the, of the High Street in Mottingham. Um, and when we're campaigning to save, for example, the Porcupine Pub, we still haven't pulled that off yet, but it was a big local campaign. Um, we we're working together on that. Because it affected constituents both sides of the road, um, and there's a lot of things that will be like that. Um, Similarly, um, uh, up on parts of the Downham estate, where, where, where we're part of it, um, he's in Lewish and part of it. in mine, we work together on those things. Uh, and the other bit, of course, it's very nice, I'm going to plug it, is what we call the All Party Parliamentary Groups. Mm. These are cross party groups of MPs who are there to raise concerns about special interests, which we don't always get elected. One I've taken up because. We've had family experience of it. My wife had a stroke and we discovered that the pattern of the availability of stroke care is very limited. Um, now it's quite difficult to get the staff and the legal quality staff to deliver what the NHS will want to do. They're brilliant at saving lives, that bit there is great, but it's a struggle sometimes for people to get all the follow-up therapies that they need. So together with a, a number of Labour and Conservative MPs, a Labour a member of the House of Lords whose husband had had a stroke, we thought, well, let's get a group together
0: to try and raise the profile in Parliament. So those are things where we're doing it completely without a view to party. I'll tell you what, it's a little uh, thank you for your coming and being interviewed today. I drove in Orpington past a stroke aftercare unit yeah. yesterday. Yeah, indeed. Uh, I'll go and interview somebody there and get that a bit more talked about. Do that, because there is,
1: there is really great work being done locally, mm. um,
0: but it always needs more profile, it always needs
1: more investment. And... You know, it really needs really it attracting um, more workforce into those specialist things like you know, physiotherapists, speech therapists, all that sort of thing. So yeah, the more we can do
0: the bang the drum for stroke care in the area, then great, That I'd, I'd really appreciate it. You know, I think this podcast has been, from the outset, intended to be a positive thing. And just to return to that theme of people who complain about MPs. Well, stop complaining, write to them, send Sir Bob's email, something you would like them to do, and it's within their practical abilities. It will get done. So get something positive back from your MP. Don't just complain, actually
2: do something.
0: And, you know, Gareth Bacon, my MP in Orpington, he put uh, this podcast onto Orpington Football Club. Uh, You know, I heard the name, but I didn't realise it has uh, 400 players, a special needs team, women's teams, a coach who had been... Frustrated by the fact that she couldn't play in a women's girls' team when yeah. she was at school, but she's now coaching them. Uh, 120 volunteers, loads of dogs going around the yes, ground, and yeah. the they've got a, a, a new yeah. um, refurbished or new um, ground uh, base that they need to sort out. So, see, so about to edit that bit out of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> going into waffle mode. Right, specifically though, and moving on from the value of an MP. Um, We know because we got this from your office uh, that uh, you suggested the Churchill because you focused on this place uh, in an era when a lot of arts places have been suffering really horribly uh, in supporting arts organisations, including their application to the Cultural Recovery Fund, through which they received a grant of £435,586. It sounds like they wanted a cocktail at the end of that, and that must have been or a glass of wine for the six pounds, as well as those working in the sector, Uh, and also that you received correspondence during the pandemic showing how many constituents actually work in the West End, actors, sound technicians, set designers, theatre producers, many of whom are ineligible for the support, uh, much of the support made available. And you've done a lot on trying to secure touring visas for creative professionals and setting up a comprehensive insurance scheme, scheme so that theatres can operate with more certainty going forward. That's a lot of activity in favour of the arts sector. Well, it's, it's been always really important to me. Um, and music was always been really, really massive in,
1: in my life, and, and all kinds. You know, I was going to, uh, in, to stand at the back of the gods at Covent Garden when I was a student at the same time as I was going to Upton Park or, or, or listening to Dave Clark Five. Um, so you know, I, I never sort of regarded any sort of snobbishness uh, about culture and the arts. We really ought to be encouraging it for, for everybody. Um, uh, and um, my, I say, my wife's family have always been uh, in the arts. She was a professional singer, started with the Dorellie Art Opera, and until she uh, sadly had the stroke, she was still performing um, uh, Gilbert and Sullivan and concert work and so on. Um, my two steps children are, are both performers as well. We got lots of friends. Uh, who, who are in the art sector, the theatre, uh, live music and so on. Uh, and so, you know from personal experience just how hard the pandemic was hitting them. And of course, not just the performers, it's all the support team as well, mm. the, te- the technicians, all the other creatives. And I discovered there was quite a lot of people actually in uh, Bromley who work in uh, the art sector one way or another. Mm. Uh, and you know, they were falling between stalls because the setup that, that was being put in place and rightly put in place by the government, I was all in favour of that. Really, like a lot of things that um, Treasury and other things do, isn't geared up for dealing with self-employed people. Yeah. a lot of those are self-employed or work through um, uh, individual companies, service companies, where they take the money by way of dividends. Yeah, uh, and they were losing out quite badly. Plus the institutions, um, and you know, people think about all the big theatres in the West End. They were all hit, of course, but. The important theatres like Bromley so receiving theatres where they're taking plays which come out on tours you know, we really needed to keep them going uh, and you know, the Churchill needed support for that and so I was really happy to, um, you know, to get in touch with Chris uh, and his team here they do a great job mm. uh, and try and bang the drum and support their application for the funding and it, it's great that we're now seeing things coming back again but it's, you know, the arts really ought to be as much available to people uh, as social
0: services are it's um, he, a part of being a civilised um, country to my mind. Yeah, uh, and uh, we have a lot of history of it in Bromley, with uh, David Bowie and uh, other performers, Pixie Lot from the contemporary scene. Well. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and um, we've got the Bromley Youth Music Trust, yeah. which is an outstanding uh, vehicle for young performers absolutely. and older people as well, including yeah. with the Rock School, I think it Yeah,
1: absolutely. I, I, I think my, my, uh, my, my two step children. Had their time with Romney Youth Music just just when, when they were kids. And I can remember sort of, some of. you remember the the, uh, the the gigs that they used to have in Chiselhurst Caves. It's a completely different mm, oh, genre yes. going back years. That's quite an important part of yeah. Romney's arts. Yes, the art,
0: the art birds, um Jimi Hendrix, it, yeah. played down there. Yeah, yeah. So you know, it's, it, it is actually we've got, we've got a real heritage in this that we all be proud of. I know one of my neighbours in Orpington uh, worked for the English National Opera uh, as a uh, scenery mover. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's currently a bin man, and that's one of the outcomes of uh, the pandemic. Mm. Yeah, uh, but that's, that's been really tough. We're losing good people out out of the professions. Mm. Once they're gone, it's not
1: easy to get them back. Yeah.
2: Delivery driver. I met a delivery driver who is the same in the same yeah. sort of boat. Yeah,
1: um, yeah. We are absolutely very fortunate that, 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 that James, my stepson, uh, uh, has um, like like a lot of actors and performers, always had a second career, he was doing some house renovations. Uh, and doing places up with a, with a, with a friend of his, but you know, that's not what they wanted to do. That's what, the, that's what they yeah, that was trained the at Central
0: and so on to do. And if you haven't got the backup, then you know, it's mm. pretty tough, isn't it? Yeah. Um, what I'd like to ask about now is uh, about just some of the things that you've enjoyed down the years as an MP, some of your highlights, things you're proud of. Uh, and let's actually start with the very first one. How does it feel to be elected, to be in that room when people are reading out that you've got these votes and they are more votes than all the other people in the room who are standing? How did you feel then and what have you enjoyed since? In my case, absolutely relieved
1: (laughs) um, because I thought it was all going to go completely (laughs) pear-shaped. Because the the by-election I was elected at actually um, had a very low turnout. And I think a lot of conservative voters took it for granted, Um, (laughs) uh, and the majority dropped from something like eight thousand odd down to about six hundred odd. Um, Mm. So uh, actually, it was you know um, uh, very considerable relief. White knuckling, just just (laughs) glad to be there, sort of thing. It it was it was a pretty fraught campaign, but it didn't go according to plan um, for a raft of reasons. We we, we could be here for a couple of weeks on that. But at all events, um, once you've got through that relief. Then you need to get stuck in, um, and um, people actually have been were, were immensely supportive. And then the majority, I think, the next election went up to ten thousand, and it's been at a, a pretty heavy um, uh, level thereafter. But that, that, in my case, that was very much cool. Thank heavens for that, uh, more than anything else. Um, but then, I think the next bit is okay. What do you do now? Um, because, if you're elected to the in a by-election in sixteen years ago, there wasn't quite the same degree. of HR support and induction that we have for MPs now. And you slightly had to shift for yourself. I had to, um, You've got to find an office. Um, uh, Eric Force's office was gone, because he was much more senior than I, and got, I eventually got this cubby hole um, uh, <laughs> after I'd been squatting with um, Jackie Lay, the, NA, the then MP for Beckenham. He was a good chum for, for some months, I think. And you know, one of Eric's staff was going to retire. Uh, one I kept on, so I had to go and recruit staff. And if you're know, like, you're running a small business as a member of staff, mm. you, you, although you get an allowance which you then uh, pay your staff, mm. well, in fact, you don't even, it doesn't even go through your hands, you know, the, 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 there's a pot that is, al- is allocated to pay your staff, you're the employer, you have to sign the contracts with them, the employer's liability is, uh, is on you. So all that has to be done, um, just as you've arrived at the place, and needless to say, people already are already going to say, well, you're my member of parliament, I want your help with this or that, or, or the other. Um, so it's a, it's a pretty
2: uh,
1: mm. it's a pretty frantic time when you first come in
2: still unpacking your boxes and yeah, okay,
1: absolutely, <laughs> so, so the first couple of years were, were absolutely manic um, then it's sort of, you get on top of it and you get into a rhythm of doing things and you have to find your own way of working put your own team together um, and then um, I suppose the, the other great things that were highlights after that were David Cameron surprisingly saying, well, David Bob would you like to join the shadow front bench team uh, and uh, doing that, uh, and then um, when we won, or when we formed a coalition with the Lib Dems in 2010 and came into government, actually being asked to become a, a, a minister took about three days. You're sitting there, you know, you're um, you're hoping you will come in, um, but because we have done a deal with the Lib Dems, we have to sh- sh- shift around the jobs that people have been earmarked for, so you weren't necessarily going to get what you are. And uh, my friend Greg Clark and I was. Who'd been in the shadow team together, sitting, speaking to each other on our mobiles periodically? Have you heard anything yet? Uh, and eventually got the phone call about three days later saying, Nick, Prime Minister, like, sweetie, would uh, like to go under Secretary of State for Communities and Local Government? And I said, yes, wonderful, thank you very much, delighted. Um, what do I do now? <laughs> uh, and that's a good point. Why don't you ring up Eric Pickles, who's the Secretary of State? So I got Eric on his mobile, and it took Greg and I another 24 hours before the Cabinet Office had sent a fax, I think it was still a fax, would you believe, to the Department of Communities and Local Government to say, yeah, Mr. Greg, Mr. Clark, Mr. Neil, our, our Minister's in the Department, let him in sort of thing. And there's Eric on the other hand, who's already in the Department with his special advice, saying, where are you? <laughs> It was like it, 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 it was hilarious in that point of view. So don't forget something like that. No, well, I have this,
2: visions of you tapping at the door, going, "Let me in." Wait, wait, oh, well, it was a bit like
1: that.
0: You, 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 you remember the quirky bits sometimes mm. as much as the really serious bits. Yeah, so. we, we have a great tradition in this country of um, keeping people out who should be in places. So uh, Lord's Crookie round the MCC, the Stuarts are uh, infamous. Mm. You know, you've got Ian Botham walking past. Sorry, sir, can I have your pass.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, it is a bit like, but. So I mean those th- th- those were sort of memorable things. But then, more seriously, I think there the, are the, some, some things that one's very proud of as well. Um, and, and if I was thinking about that, just to pluck a couple of out of the mm. randoms, Bullerswood School for Boys. Um, you know that was something a campaign where it's pretty clear that we needed um, a, a new secondary school for boys. If you remember, it was very controversial putting it on the um, playing fields uh, at Bickley. Um, Quite a, a bit of local opposition didn't make me popular with some of my uh, supporters, and um, the council, in the end, um, by quite a narrow margin, gave planning permission for it. But it was a campaign that parents were really keen on, uh, and we worked very hard. We had to take it as far as the mayor of London on the one hand, as far as the Secretary of State for Education uh, or on the other, to get support for this. And we had to lobby really hard on that, and we pulled it off. And I think that's been a real benefit, and will be for, for kids for a long time. The other one. Over in the up by Crittles Corner, just at the top of uh, Seven Oaks Way. Mm-hmm. I don't if you remember? For years, there was that pile of uh, a- absolute pile of, r- of rotting garbage.
0: and yeah. tiresome. It was, it was the
1: waste for fuel site, it was yeah. called, um, which was, was an absolute disgrace. Mm. And it had been sitting there for 10, 20 years. It was supposed to be um, a-, a disposal site. It was never properly run, it broke every regulation in the book. The fire um, engines always. Fire right? engines were always. It was always yeah. catching fire. Mm. Um, the smell was terrible for people, mm. and it took us about about well, six seven years to get it. But in the end, we got there. Um, and uh, if I say right, I had to lobby three successive secretaries of state personally, I mean you're about numbers of personal meetings with them, to because it was it didn't quite fall into any one agency's um, you
2: know
1: remit remit to deal with it. Mm. Um, and so we just needed heads banged together. In the end, Michael
0: Gove. Um, actually, got it sorted within three months. Uh, I'm, in a, I'm an ex civil servant. When I went into my first proper job in the civil service, there was a, 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 a whole line of paper clips um, that somebody had assembled underneath my table. Yeah. Obviously, I yeah. hadn't been working hard enough, and some people say civil servants don't, incorrectly. Yeah. But on there, there was a badge. And it said, civil servants do it in triplicate. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, if you can fight your way through the red tape yeah. and the things that fall between the fences yeah, and, and get rid of the rubbish, it's quite an achievement and not to be underestimated. Well, those are really hard work jobs, but those are things that if I said, you know, would you like to
1: be remembered for having now something around those things, I think those are things in diff- very different ways that we can
0: say help to make people's lives better.
2: Mm, absolutely, <laughs> tangibly but well. As, yeah. Another
0: thing is that. One of the highlights of my entire life was going to the Paralympics. Mm, absolutely. You had a hand in the Olympics. That's right, yeah. This was, that was a, a real
1: wonderful privilege, actually. Um, each department uh, of government, um, w- when we had the sort of plan for the Olympics, had to have a minister who was responsible for the Olympics bit uh, of, their, of their work. Um, Eric Pickles said to me, "Well, yeah, I'd like you to take that on um, uh, from the Department of Communities and Local Government point of view. Uh, and that was actually quite an important piece, piece of work because it was fairly closely liaison with the Mayor and the Olympic Delivery Authority. I was also the Minister who was responsible at the time for the, the Thames Gateway regeneration and of course the Olympic site mm. uh, fitted into that. So that meant that uh, amongst other things Eric delegated to me the use of the government's golden share in the Olympic le- Legacy Company, the only golden share I've probably ever had in my life, um, uh, which was our means of trying to keep any control. Um, I remember having to go to the uh, the Permanent Secretary and say, look, you ought to be aware, if we're negotiating with various football clubs, I know West Ham is in the mix. Um, I'm a West Ham supporter, I want to get that on the table. <laughs> um, he said, but I'm not a shareholder, you know, and I'm not a season ticket holder. And that was all right. But that was really fascinating, um, when you're getting involved in that sort of thing. And then the two other bits, I think, that were interesting in that were... Um, at the games itself, each minister had to host uh, a number of uh, sort of that the, their opposite numbers from, from other countries who visited. Um, so yeah, I got a chance to to go to see some fascinating things: some of the women's football at, uh, at Old Trafford, um, some of the uh, uh, men's football, uh, I think at uh, Coventry, um, some of the stuff at the obviously at the park itself uh, at Woolwich, mm-hmm. which was, was mm-hmm. pretty nearby, and at Excel. And at Excel, I was asked, would I? Um, Actors host for the Minister of Cults and Sports, uh, Culture and Sports um, for Kazakhstan. Hmm. Uh, and it's for the weightlifting. And, and I was just thinking, Borat all the time. Uh, and, you know, I, I, I thought, you know, you're not going to turn up in a mankini, is he? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, with one of those little moustaches. But, but as he was, it turns out, he was a former weightlifter who'd gone into mm. politics. And apparently weightlifting is the big spectator sport in places like Kazakhstan and Azerbaijan. It's a
2: weightlifter. He could probably have got away with yeah, Mankini. Probably away. Probably could have done, yeah.
1: <laughs> nobody would have argued, would they? Um, but he was trying to keep a straight face with some of these things. But that, that was terribly funny. Um, turned out to be a very nice guy. Um, spoke about three words in English, but never mind, it was, it, it was all fine. And um, they, they had some beer in the hospitality suite and he was perfectly happy. Uh, so so that, that got us through that one okay. Mm. And then subsequently, um, the really interesting stuff about finding a use mm. for all the, mm-hmm. the, the sites you know and the one thing that David Cameron was very clear on was, we're not going to be like Barcelona the you other know, place where you could see the grass growing through it yeah. and, although in the end we then by that stage Boris of course was mayor so we handed over the detailed stuff um to this mayoral development corporation which we set up which he and Eddie Lister to then took on and we got you know delighted actually that uh, we got the stadium taken on board and whether or not you pair, I need a pair of uh, binoculars to go to watch West Ham there, there or not is a, is a moot point. It's a long distance away, mm. but it's in use the whole time. Um, the really tough one that we had to work hard on was getting the press centre away, because essentially that was just a shed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, what do you do with that? That's gone. That, that's now in, in good commercial uh, and actually education use uh, now. Every one of the Olympic sites, which sat on our books, because we were the, the, the government department that. Any bit of the estate that wasn't parcelled up to anyone else, if you like, um, we got away. We got all of those bits into into use, mm. and no longer you know, a burden on the public purse. I'm really actually rather proud of that, uh, and a really good team of civil servants that work with us. Um, having to deal with the commercial sector, which isn't something that always the mm. civil service are geared up to do. So that was a fascinating. Thing to have a chance to, to yeah. have a hand in.
2: That's great that, <clears throat> that that happened too. It's not just Barcelona, is that There's yeah. countless actually so Olympic many, sites but around we, the yeah, world that exactly. have gone to
1: Rackham. Uh, and we haven't done that mm. and although it's not been you know, easy and there have been hiccups along the way, you look at what's happened at Westfield now, you look at what's happened around, around the whole that part of Stratford, where my mum grew up, funnily enough, um, then you know, it has made a palpable change mm. and palpable improvements.
0: Mm. One of the public perceptions there is that um, the now Lord Coe, former runner Sebastian Coe, was obviously an absolutely pivotal figure in this. Uh, what was he like to work with? Uh, Seb, was, Seb,
1: Seb was great. I, mean, I, I liked him. I knew him a little bit through politics um, uh, because uh, when I'd been chairman of the London Tory party, William Hague was leader and uh, Seb was um, Sir William's chief of staff. So I got to know him a little bit there. and uh, He was very, very focused. Um, the one thing that you do have to bear in mind is, like lots of sports people, they're very, they're very focused on on their specialism, um, and the bit that we had sometimes just to say to Seb was, OK, that's great, and that, that's fine for the games, but it's also going to be necessary to think about what we do with them afterwards. Uh, and that's why, for example, the argument of how much the running track and whether you made it retractable and removable so <laughs> you could have a second purpose for it afterwards, um, which we worked out, you were never going to have a viable... Purely running stadium uh, in, in the middle of London on that size, um, so that's why we had to have it able to be converted into some mixed use. Mm-hmm. Uh, I bet you didn't see the West Ham thing coming. either. No, I didn't see that one coming. No, no, we weren't <laughs> sure about what, what would go in there. Um, but as it was, I mean, it's, it, it's it, you know it's worked. It, it, there are a number of clubs, as you know, that were in contention mm-hmm. for it and mm-hmm. that were interested in the London mm-hmm. sides mm-hmm. Um, uh, and. Uh, as it is to keep it, it's in use. But, no, but Seb, Seb's done a great job, and, and has been a you know, great ambassador, ambassador for, for British sport, and continues to be.
0: Well, it's also very interesting to learn that uh, you're almost tonight. Almost, yes, yeah, I've, <laughs> I've got the talk. technically yeah. and officially. Yeah, uh, I'm speaking, or well, we are speaking to Sir Bob Neal. But right, you told us something else about that early on, which is quite interesting. Well, I, 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 it, it, it's. I
1: suppose the good news is that once you're. You're sort gazetted in the London Gazette. You've got the title uh, and and you you can use it. Um, But everybody says, "Oh, what was it like being dubbed by the Queen? I'm afraid that hasn't happened yet. I'm a victim of COVID (laughs) in in that regard. Um, They'd organized all all the investitures at the palace. um, And then lo and behold, along came the COVID. And so there was a lockdown. And of course, so thereafter, there's been a long backlog. uh, And they're starting again um, uh, at Windsor. Um, but you're only allowed sort of, one other person to go with you and because I wanted, uh, obviously, to, to, to take my wife and uh, somebody to help her with mobility after her stroke uh, and my old mum, who's 97 now, still going strong um, they said, of course, we can do that at Buckingham Palace but we haven't got space to do that at Windsor so a number of us they said, well, OK, we don't mind waiting um, and so hopefully in the autumn I'll, I'll get the, uh, the tap on the shoulder um, and the and and ribbon to
0: hang around my neck so, you know, Best in show or whatever it was. So you
3: know <laughs> 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 we'll
1: be
2: looking out for it.
0: I think uh, I might return to where we started at this point. Because uh, the introduction, we said we were at the Churchill Theatre in Bromley and we just heard some rehearsing going we on are, in the background, are. which is lovely. Yeah, um, I'm going to have an
2: earworm with that song all day, though. Every time I hear that song, it gets stuck.
0: <laughs> yeah. It gets you in my mind, up, yeah. It, though, yeah. Do you know what it is? Because I wasn't listening um, to is from down to
2: the river to pray. Every time I hear it, I think of the Alison Krauss version. Mm,
0: lovely. Right. What, what have you enjoyed at the Churchill down the years? Over the years,
1: I think we've enjoyed some of the comedy nights. Um, the pantos are always great fun. Um, of course, Churchill uh, does well getting in some, some a lot of musical work. I mean, uh, we've done we've seen some quite good Gilbert and Sullivan. Are uh, done here. i remember a very good pinafore, which, which I came to. Um, English touring operas, you know, have regularly had this in their rota. Got Madame Butterfly coming up um, uh, very shortly, um, which I think will be will be great. Um, so it's the range of stuff that the church has put on, which I, I think is, uh, has been really good, and we got some serious, you know some some good serious drama comes in as well. Uh, and and I'm glad you mentioned Bromley Little Theatre too, because mm. that's the other place that we go from time to time. Uh, and our our next-door neighbour. Hillary is very active on the trustees there and uh, they've done some really good stuff uh, at the Little Theatre.
2: I have a question on that actually, so uh, what are your thoughts on this, so uh, Lewisham has just been Mm. named as the Borough of Culture. What do you yeah. think, <laughs> considering that we have the Churchill and well, yeah. well, uh, Bromley Little I'm, Theatre? And
0: I, 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 no, I'm, I'm not going to sign a war with Lewisham. It's only mention, for a year. We'll certainly we'll yeah. next yeah.
1: year. Right? I, well, I, 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 I think we, we, we better make sure that we bid for it, don't you? I, mean, I really think we should, because we've, we've got such a long um, tradition. Though. I've got to say, Anne Louise, um, my wife did, did say, I think her first performance um, you know, was at what's now, now I think it's the. Uh, is it the Lewisham Theatre? Well, in Catford, you know, in Catford, there's the sort of the, the, the public halls in Catford mm-hmm. um, uh, that, uh, um, in the old days, apparently used to have quite a lot of big names, It'd be like sort of Harry Seacream, you know, that sort of stuff or, 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 or on the stage and so on. Um, but then we did a first performance there, so perhaps perhaps she wouldn't mind. She was she was a Lewisham girl before she moved to Bromley. Ah.
3: Um,
1: but I think Bromley ought to be bidding for it because uh, nothing wrong with Lewisham's culture. but We've got lots of it. Yes, you know, we do. And we
0: ought to shout about it. I reckon.
2: I agree, absolutely.
0: Is there anything that um, you're particularly looking forward to that's coming up for you locally or otherwise in your parliamentary life? Um, Well, I I think there's
1: a a, a lot of interesting things coming up. Um, Locally I I think the most important thing is that we now get out of the um, pandemic consequences that we come out safely and as smoothly as we can. I'm really keen that we um, do that. I'm hoping to see the Um, the Town Centre opening up more, I'm hoping to see a lot more of our really great businesses um, uh, opening up, uh, hoping that we see the West End uh, back on on form as as it was. Um, I'm On a purely personal level, I'm interested in a lot of the legislation that's coming forward, and those aren't necessarily going to be fun things. I think there's some really big challenges that we've got coming up, Um, really important work around where we go uh, with... um, some of the proposed reform of human rights, which I, uh, I've been involved in, uh, you know, obviously, as a lawyer. Um, I'm very keen to continue that work as chair of the Justice Committee. I think that's an important piece of work. We've got some really important work to do about um, the government's, I think, very good proposals for prison reform. So, you know, trying to make sure that we get a better balance between locking up the dangerous people and rehabilitating the people who got into trouble because their lives are in a mess um, uh, rather than perhaps there is you know, some inherent uh, dangerousness in them. I think those are really big challenges. So that stuff, I'm, I'm, I'm very keen to get to grips with that because we uh, reoffending costs this country about 18.5 billion pounds a year, um, and we lock more people up than most of our um, neighbouring countries in Western Europe. But we have higher, far higher rates of reoffending. Now, if you want to have fewer victims of crime, as I'm sure we all do, if we can break this vicious cycle uh, where a lot of people are getting into low-level offending, then it spirals and gets worse and worse and worse. We're actually going to save money as well as help people. So that's that's something I'm really keen to continue to get to grips with. That's one of the causes that I think are really important that we really want to bang our head. I, that I, sounds great out there, doesn't it? It oh, does. Oh,
2: <laughs> <laughs> Nothing quite like listening to uh, a piano getting bashed out sort of thing while uh, uh, for a rehearsal.
0: Yeah, my uh, ear for identifying music is terrible, but that reminds me of Joseph. Even. It does. <laughs> you know, yeah, I thought that was <clears throat> Joseph. I must say. Yeah. Oh, what a great thing. Yeah. Right, well, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, and it's been a really in- interesting insight. I'm going to give... So, Sarah, have you got anything else you'd like to ask? Not at all,
2: just to say thank you very much. It's been, uh, really, it's been lovely to meet you.
1: Right, Well, thank you very much for having me. I have thoroughly enjoyed it. And uh, happy to come on and chat any time in the future.
0: Good luck with the project, which I think great. You. And you know, look forward to chatting again before too long. And a little uh, closing message from the Bromley Buzz. Enjoy your MP talk to your MP, don't listen to rumours about other people's experiences. Have your own and vote. Absolutely. Voting is important. Dead, right. Dead yeah. right. Thank you very much, Bob Neil. Pleasure. Thank you. Mm. Right. Okay. I want to ask you well, a couple of other bits but, um, mm. as well, mm. which I may may not add in, probably not. But, okay, right. uh, here's one. Yeah. What do you love best about Bromley?
2: Good question.
1: What I love best about Bromley, I think, the balance we've got between being close to London, on the one hand, and still having lots of open space, um, still having um, the feel where you've got good family homes, um, decent parkland, the ability to get out into the country very easily, um, a really really strong sense of community and of voluntary groups, a number of residence associations we have in Airbarrow, a number of voluntary organisations, um, you know, We talk about Rotary, talk about small businesses, talk about organisations, friends of mine are involved in, like visit Chislehurst and so on. Um, The amount of volunteering uh, and charitable uh, and broader sort of community work that goes on. We talked about the football um, clubs, think about Glebe Football Club in in, uh, Old Perry Street. Um, Huge amount of youth work that they're doing. Same with Cray Valley Wanderers, just up at Flamingo Park. those things are actually give a real sense of community. People feel, I think, that they identify in many cases with, with, with the area limit, which you don't find in all um, London suburbs. I think to the same extent. So that's a really special thing.
2: There's a lovely business community here as yeah, well. It's something it that I've been. So both Darren and I are involved oh, with Startup oh. Bromley, and uh, I've been trying to encourage the people I've been coaching yeah. to come along to some of the FSB events because yeah. they're local. They're, they're based locally, mm. and you know, we've got the FSB Bromley, and the network within FSB Bromley is actually very, very strong, largely yes, in part to the work that Chandra Sharma's put into it. Yeah, sure. And um, uh, I say to them, you know, if you, if you really want to get your LinkedIn profiles working, mm. start networking with the people who are actually in this borough, because they will interact with you, yeah, because absolutely. we have that sense of community.
1: Yeah, we do, and it's, it's really quite marked, I think. Compared, and having been a minister in local government, i seen a lot of... Towns and places around the country over, over the years. Well, probably on the road quite a bit. Well, in those two and a half years,
0: you do notice a difference, um, and I think I think it's quite special. And you know, the, protecting the nature of the built environment is really important, and special too. Well, one of the things I found interesting when we were reviewing uh, Cluedo uh, mm-hmm. here at the Churchill Theatre the other day, and we were doing interviews with people afterwards and uh, what they thought of the show. Yeah. Uh, and uh, some of the people had travelled down from Essex to right, watch yeah, it, yeah. and they were saying. Oh, this isn't the kind of London Borough I expected. I expected it to all be high-rise and very urban and, uh, frankly, unattractive. And, look, it's green spaces. It's lovely old-fashioned buildings and uh, really some rather lovely homes. And uh, look at this great theatre. And, oh, hang on a minute, the transport links are good here. It was like they were practically thinking, well, I think they're going to move.
1: <laughs> well, I think you're right. You know, I have MP colleagues come down, perhaps, here to speak at events or something, and someone will say to me, it's really in London. Yeah.
2: Um, well, it's London and Kent, isn't it? it is. That's yes, the thing.
1: Sir, we've got <laughs> the best of both.
0: And, and that's the bit we've really got to fight hard to keep. Isn't it? It's lovely to get those words on the record as well. <laughs> right, and now uh, that is the final thank you. <laughs> 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 bother, thank you. <laughs>